Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop Podcast. Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the DLC Drop Podcast. It is my pleasure to have my good friend Christian Bishop join us. If you're not familiar, Christian serves as the Chief Revenue Officer for Method. He's a serial entrepreneur in our industry, and he's always looking for hardworking, amazing people to collaborate with. Welcome. How are you doing? People like yourself, good sir. What an honor to be here on the launch of DLC. What a week. Thank you for having me. What is your week started off like? What do you, I know, man, you're a hustler. So why don't you just give us a little peek into your world before you know we get started for people going a little further back into your career? John, you know, I'm a morning guy. All right. You know, I, I get up early. I'm a grandpa. I go to bed early and I get up really early. So I start my day off a little bit of work and then I jump right in the gym. That's big for me, man. That's a that's my my version of a coffee. So it gets me going. I take care of myself, get my mind right. And then I jump into work. So, you know, Method, my team, we operate out of the UK. So early start to the days for sure. So are you a no coffee drinker or do you drink coffee? Yeah, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's not that I don't like coffee, but I don't drink coffee unless, unless I really need it. I'm more of a Red Bull guy, to be honest. Okay. If, if I okay. was going to do it. Do, do, you, do you cut out caffeine completely? No, I'm pretty heavy on the caffeine. Yeah, I do. I do a large cup of coffee and then I'll, yeah, I don't know. On the coffee maker, I make about where the six cup mark, but the cup I use. Six um, cups. The cup I use though, that's only two cups. Oh, John, come on, man. <laughs> What's going on here? It's an all day experience, you know? Um, I got to get you one of those Keurigs. Keep it simple, you know. I don't like a Keurig because the coffee's not strong enough, bro. It's the the Keurig is is the bane of my existence. You're a New Yorker. That's what you're telling me. I'm a Californian. I'm a Californian who used to work at Starbucks for four years. So okay, yeah, the good stuff. But man, let's talk about you. I want I want people to know, you know, what made Christian Bishop. You know, take me back to where you first started. You're, you know, I see you as a pillar in our industry. Right now, I'm always super motivated by what you're doing. I love the hustle and I'm always looking at you as to like, what's the next thing? So, but you weren't always, didn't always have this place in our industry. Take us back to where this started for you. That's super kind of you, man. I, I can't tell you, I feel like I'm really, we're all just getting started. For me, I'm just working hard every day, man, just trying to improve and, and do what I can to build. Getting started in this space was not easy. I'll tell you that, you know, we've talked about this before, man. And I yeah. got, you know, I got my out of college majoring in business. I worked in corporate America, right? Like I was working two jobs, hustling, take care of my family and going to school. And for eight years, I, I kind of continued in that corporate America life until jumping on a few TV shows and going the Hollywood lifestyle. And eventually I was like, enough of all this stuff I don't really want to do. I, I want to, you know, what do I love? And that's video games. And I just worked really hard to build a life in the space. So how did you find that life? I mean, what, you know, a lot of people have this passion of what they love to do. I think, I think it's, I hope it's happening more and more all the time, but I think it's pretty unique that people are actually working within their passion. So 
was there something that whether it was an opportunity for you uh, to get into it or something that opened your eyes to opportunity? Yeah. So the show. So one of the shows that I went on, which was on ABC, was The Bachelorette, is what opened my mind to it really what it did is it gave me access. I was able to get into a ton of rooms in LA and do a lot of things and get, you know, meetings with a lot of different really successful people. And that really sparked my mind of saying, okay, how are you going to actually make a moment out of your 10 seconds? You've got 10 seconds here. What are you going to do with it as being a D-lister? And D minus lister. And I was, I, I really started thinking hard and I was trying different things and Eventually, I just leveraged that to start my own company, invested, you know, some of my own capital, you know, a couple hundred K into a dream and started creating content. And what G4 used to do with the attack and, and all those shows I tried to do to bring that back to linear TV was like premier gaming content, not what you think of like live streaming and Twitch and competitive, but more original programming and episodic like the G4 content used to be. And I just went after it. I went after it, hired consultants from G4, um, hustled and bustled and went through the, the ringer. Say. The ringer. Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. So how successful initially was that first launch? And, you know, how did that go at your first time trying to <laughs> move that forward? Yeah. So it definitely was a part of me paying tuition for life. I say, you know, I, I definitely, I didn't make a paycheck for, I didn't make any money, didn't collect a paycheck for two years. And I was traveling on my own dime. Hey, mistering left and right. Right. Which is, Hey, mister, do you have a minute at conferences up at panels waiting for speakers and great smart people like you to get off the stage and talk to little old me. And let me tell you about what I'm doing in this business. And why I'm here and why I'd like a few minutes of your time, if you don't mind, and collecting cards and just grinded. And that was successful. That was helpful for me because a year, two years after doing that, now you've, hey, mister, that same person three times, right? You've seen them and, you know, now they'll start to respond to your emails. And a lot of people, you know, had the empathy, right? And I'm incredibly grateful they were kind and gave me time. And it was also successful because we created it. We created those shows. We created those pilots. We, we booked the casters and the talent and we tried something. So we actually did it. It wasn't just talking. And I think that's important, right? When you think that a lot of people that want to go after their dream is see it through, try it out, you know, really do your best to make it happen. You know, just don't stop just at the idea phase. Yeah. I'm curious, what did you find that worked for you? And how often were you just shut down? Probably more at the beginning than later as people started to see you more, more and more often. And I think one thing that's great about our space is I think there's a lot of goodwill. It all comes down to motivations. But what did you find worked and didn't work as well? Let's start with what it didn't work. I can tell you that coming out of Hollywood, being young and honestly rather brash, I thought that what I believed in what I was doing Right. So here I am, and you can imagine entering the esports guard and people that have been around for a long time in these rooms and these conferences. And I'm running around in a suit talking about the things that. First thing uh, not to do do not show up suited I, and suited. Uh, I, I, I was, I did it. And you know what? I'm not 100% convinced that that is actually a horrible move, though. I'm not. Um, 
Well, let's talk about that because I I think a lot of it determine it depends on where you are in the space. So like who you are in the space. So I'd be curious to hear your take on that. I remember I was at the first Call of Duty League in Minneapolis. And so I think the first days I was pretty casual. I own a sports jacket I'm pretty hyped on. You may have seen it. But no but you know the last night I was like, man, I'm going to throw this on and but people knew me, right? So it was like, oh, there's John just wearing that jacket that he's a little too hyped on. But what's your perspective on so there's definitely moments, right? So if you're in a business conference, so I was suited at CES in NAB and these industry events that had gaming and esports presences, but I was meeting with getting moments with executives from Verizon and networks and other people that weren't always suited, but some were. So especially when you lacked the credibility and you didn't have the brand name and company name behind you, you know, the way you look and the way you present yourself was important. I had, I think I had that going for me somewhat, being able to kind of talk the talk and manage a conversation because I came from a business background. And so I was able to at least do that where someone felt like they were having conversations with someone that had something going on for them. It wasn't like, hey, this business may or may not fail, but at least we can hold a combo with this person. And that was helpful. Now, if you're talking the after parties and our endemic events and TwitchCon and stuff like that, you don't want to do it abort. Do not show up. (laughs) Don't be the suit in that setting. So I think you got to be smart about and know your audience, right? And this is true with everything, right? It's like, know your audience, know what's going to resonate with them and how can you connect with that person? Got to be careful, freaking like you're an outsider in some cases. Right. And I think, you know, it's, it's essentially targeting, right? And so when you like marketing, we, you know, we target audiences and we appeal to them. And so understand your audience, that person you want to connect with. If it's a non-endemic executive, they might not be in a suit, but they respect people in suits. And they also see that, okay, this guy's got it together. And I think with the non-endemics, ultimately, they're looking at, is this person, is he sharp? You know, is he smart? Is it, is it somebody I can count on and trust? In gaming, I think it all comes down to what are your motivations for being in the space? Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. You got me really thinking about that one. There's no doubt that there's no doubt that that exists at the, at the end of the day, a lot of people want to dig into that. Like, what is your true motivator? Like, why are you here? And what's your intent for well, sure? Right. Especially with our community. I mean, you've got a group of people who have been hated on the vast majority of their lives, right? Like you're being made fun of, of you're, you're a stereotype or you're not the kid who's popular or making the football team or what have you, all of a sudden you're, you're the coolest kid in the room. And it's like, Oh, now you want to hang out. Now you want to talk to me. What changed? What certainly changed you realize that all the eyeballs are what I'm doing and you just want to make money off of me. Right. When we're talking about brands sponsoring the space, I think that's where a lot of it comes from. What do you think? Yeah. Interesting thing about that is it's not just the cool kids either right now, the cool kids, but it's also there's a, there's a tremendous power with some of these roles. You've got people that are very powerful at game companies and the platforms, right? That were exactly what you described, but now run esports or they manage million dollar budgets and programs that can make or break, you know, your company's success really easily just because they want to or don't want to. 
<laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, okay. So you we're at, so GG Media Network. Do I have that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then what was your next step from there? So then I was like, you know, I got to go back to making money. So I, what I'm doing was did a deal with Thunder. Thunder Studios, it's a 150,000 square foot facility in LA. Partnered with them and said, hey, look, I'll come run gaming for you. Build gaming as a new division in your business. I'll drive over a million in revenue a year from, from creating opportunities as a completely new vertical, which you don't have. I needed more credibility. So instead of building on my own, like I was, and I then incubated inside of an existing infrastructure and business that gave me the credibility, at least from much production and outsider non-endemic perspective, because some of the best content in the world is created in that facility. Artists, Tony Hawk, LeBron James, Chris Brown, music videos, Target does all their back to school campaigns. Movies are filmed there. Soul Train's filmed there. There's like huge huge projects that are done in the, in this massive property. Then I created gaming. So I actually built an esports arena on site and we were supporting 10,000 gamers a month and, you know, very little resources were given outside the core facility, you know, and had to grind and deferred my income for the first year to earn my equity in the business. So once again, was not getting paid and was sweating it out. Man, sometimes people find themselves in a position that is creating a lot of demand towards them because they either have a fancy title, they're with a big company or both, and they make the mistake of thinking that that is their credibility, not that it's borrowed by the, by the company that, you know, that they're with. And then I think over time, you build that personally. So I think you borrow corporate credibility with a brand, but then at the same time, if you leave that company, what credibility goes with you? Man, that's my approach, to be honest with you. I view everything I'm doing from a long-term 30-year perspective. I'm in this industry for the rest of my life. And that every deal and that every relationship and every person I interact with is lifelong for me. So it's not just about this little, what can this person do for me today approach. It's what can I give value? What can I do for them? And I don't know what company I'm, I may be at this company today and I may be at that company five years from now. Who knows, right? My company may be get acquired and I may be now owned by Comcast. Who knows, right? We don't really know from the factors on a personal level, but also just macro level with the entire industry, with the way technology develops and the movements that happen, the huge pendulum that swings that we all just get swept along with the next big thing, Right that has massive effects on everything we do. So it's, you know, I I think it's really interesting. I highly recommend taking that approach for anybody that's as passionate as we are and serious about building an actual career in this space. And that's the thing, build a career and focus on building your brand and your relationships as an individual, because that also goes with you everywhere, right? Know what a company can. And to your point, there are some people that have the luxury to be knighted, right? Like they have the badge on them. They work for that big game company or that big team, right? That has all that relevance. But, you know, I, I can't tell you how many friends I've spoken with that have left those roles and people unfollow them on social media. They don't respond to their messages. And it's it's pretty sad. Yeah, I was, as we both know, at a big company that had significant role in the space at GameStop. And man, one of the most eye-opening things 
that I recognize. And I'm fortunate that I wasn't a jerk <laughs> when everybody was hitting me up. I had, I was, I was blessed to build a tremendous network while I was there. And, you know, at that point where you're getting so many emails, you can't even read them all. Right. Cause it's like my whole day is just setting appointments and responding to emails. Well, when I went to PRG to help them build their esports vertical, which PRG is the the largest entertainment production company. So there's a lot of question marks from our endemic friends, right? Like, oh, big company coming into this space, right? And my vibe was like, hey, you know, I'm part of the community and I'm leveraging these resources from this mammoth company to help us do more of what we want to do, you know? But a, a position I found myself in that it just hit me the first week was, wait a minute, people who have pitched me I'm now pitching them. And it just created this awareness in my mind. What if we all put ourselves in the position of whoever you're interacting with right now, whatever that situation is, if you switched places tomorrow, are they going to want to talk to you? Like that doesn't mean you have to do a deal that isn't good for your business, you know, or you don't have to like entertain things longer than need to. But I think treating people with respect from the standpoint of, okay, if you're pitching me today the way I treat you, if I pitch you tomorrow, are you going to pick up the phone? Yeah, that's really interesting. I never quite thought about it that way of just swapping roles and say, do you think that relationship would still be there? I certainly would hope so. You know, you'd hope so, but it's interesting. Did you did you ever feel the dark side, the clout seeping in of of everyone wanting to talk to you and you having to pull yourself back? You know, fortunately I didn't because I had been in a situation similar to that before. And I learned from drinking my own Kool-Aid. You know, Mm -hmm. I had been in a situation before where I had a job that it looked super cool. The Instagram feed was lit, you know, like I'm, you know, hanging out with Rob Nerdick. I'm on boats. I'm, you know, skateboarding these exclusive skate parks and stuff like that. And I kind of fell into that. And I, while not even realizing how much I did, and then I was able to have a bit of a course correction. And so when I was back into a bigger role at GameStop, I think I was just very self-aware and I understood that, Hey, people aren't talking to me because of me. It's because I got a $9 billion revenue (laughs) company that gave me a fancy title, (laughs) you know? And so it's, you know, it could be very tempting. It it could easily happen to anybody. I think probably younger people more, but no, it definitely happened to me one time. And I'm thankful for that course correction to where now, not only does it not make me drink my own Kool-Aid, but it makes me thankful for every moment. You know, Mm -hmm. like, it's super cool starting this podcast and I'm a little blown away by the production, to be honest with you. We've got guys with cameras. We've got an audio guy in the back. We've got soundproof panels. You know, it's it's kind of a fun situation. And I'm thankful that rolling up, I'm not like, yeah, I made it. I'm the man. No, I'm like, whoa, this is so cool that I have the opportunity to do this with these people, you know? So I think that's, I think that humility is a superpower. I think coming from that perspective is we'll continue to pay dividends and allow you to be successful. It's important. Shout out to the, the production team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These guys are super cool too. They're awesome. So in addition to humility, I think the other superpower is hard work. 
And that's something that maybe it's not super sexy. Sometimes I feel like people who have achieved a lot, it's like, what's your magic formula? What's the thing that's super hard to figure out? And I think there's so much, especially in your story, just like the grind, the hard work, the perseverance. Share a little bit about how you think just pure perseverance has gotten you where you are today. I think I think ambition is one of the most powerful things that any person could have. I think that drive and motivation, I say I'm fueled by passion. So I think aligning with your passion is incredibly important, regardless of what it is, right? If it's painting, if it's dealing with seashells, I don't care. I think align with what, when you wake up every day, it's like a jolt of energy that gets you and you're like, I want to get after it. To me, that's what every single day is like working in this industry is I feel so fortunate and I just want to get after it. And I'm already naturally really motivated and ambitious and I have work ethic, but now I have that. So it's like nuclear fuel just pushing me every single day. And it's just, I want to do more. Like I want to learn more. I want to build more relationships. I want to build every single day and improve every single day. That's my perspective. How do I get better? And what did I accomplish today? I literally asked myself, I'm like, what did I accomplish? What have I, what have I done? And I think back, I almost had a panic attack on the way to the gym the other day. I was like, what did I accomplish this month? And I freaked out for a moment. And I was like, oh, never mind. I did, I did all right. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. I, I think that's, that's so funny. I think people would look at you and they'd be like, Christian's worried about not being ambitious enough or not accomplishing enough. But I think that's something, I think the most successful people have that in them. Whereas somebody else might say, might look and, and also to when it's ourselves, we know everything else that's going on in the background, right? Like we might look like we have it all together, but we know like the struggle or I don't want to say imposter syndrome, but you know, the, the things like, I don't feel like I know this well enough and I'm going to work hard to know it, but I think most capable and successful people, there are questions about themselves and that's what keeps them being driven and, and moving forward. I think that truth is the humility component of it that goes tandem with the reality of that every day I want to get better. You can't really do that unless you're identifying your shortcomings and like, oh, here are the gaps. Here are the things I need to improve on. Like, I know I could be better with this or with this. One thing for me is I want to be a better writer. Right now I'm taking a writing class. I'm literally scheduled taking a creative writing class once a night, you know, once a week, 6 p.m. to like 8.45. It's a three-hour class because I was like, I want to be a better writer because I feel like it's something that in business, as you continue to scale up, it's a tremendous, you know, tool. So it's, you know, it's also having that humility to look at yourself and be like, look, man, you don't really got it going on. You know, like everybody else is out there grinding. Everybody would love to be in that position. And there's, you know, no handouts are given out every day. So go get it. Absolutely. What do you attribute that drive to? I mean, does, have you looked back and said, okay, this happened in my life or, or my mom was this role in my life or something like that? Or, you know, what do you think built that for you? Yeah, that's an interesting question that I don't know if I have the, the true, true answer on that. I know that, you know, at an early age for me, my, my wish as a kid, blowing candles, stars, any of that stuff was always just to be successful. So as a young person, I always just, that was my goal. That's always what I want to work towards ever. Just, I just want to get there. I just want to get there. And I, and I wouldn't even define it, right? Like it wasn't necessarily about money. It wasn't about a job title. It was just success. What is that going to be? And I continue to redefine success in my life 
regularly over and over again and like what a success what a success and maybe it's my mom was a single mom you know taking care of me for half my life you know my dad eventually got in my life when i was a teenager and i went from having very little to then you know having a lot right in an la lifestyle with tremendous success and i saw both sides of the coin of where you could be in life and every person has to make a choice right what are they striving for and ultimately what will you settle for because what you're willing to settle for is going to be ultimately what you get. And if you refuse to settle, then you can get it. Man, that's a great point. I, I similarly have never had a really specific goal. I've just kind of been like, I want to do great things. And, you know, earlier on it was skateboarding. So I had these like great aspirations to become a professional skateboarder. And I never realize the dream that I hoped for. But I think one thing too that really helped me, I was in a lot of really crappy situations as I was going through the the skateboard dream. I was, you know, sharing a studio apartment with two dudes in Orlando. I was doing telemarketing, cell phone sales, selling ver- Kirby vacuums door to door before finally getting on a tour for six months and then doing all this stuff before then breaking my ankle. But I think what helped me endure those moments was that I wasn't focused on where I was. I was looking ahead. And so even though like my current situation was kind of crappy, I wasn't looking at it. I was looking ahead. And the reverse of that, there was a job that I I moved to Dallas for. And it was like a dream. It was my dream. And I it got me through college. You know, it, my last semester of college, I was taking six classes. I had two jobs and I did skate demos every other weekend. And it just it was the the light at the end of the tunnel, but then I achieved it, and I was so bummed. Because <laughs> mm. number one, and I'm not throwing shade or anything, but number one was fantasy is never reality, right? So like the dream job in your mind when you're in college doesn't have anything to do with holy crap. It's going to take a year until I really know how to do this career job. Yeah. Oh. The person I work with, sometimes we have disagreements, (laughs) right? The client just yelled at me on the phone and I don't have an answer for him because I've never done this before. And so I think there's some trick to having broad goals with shorter term goals to help you get there. But I think there's something to like never really achieving the end goal because you, you continue to to go towards it. Yeah, it's that never satisfied mentality, right? That consistent hunger and thirst, uh, we'll say for greatness, <laughs> just to keep going and grinding right. um, day after day. It's and that look, you you described it perfectly. That's what I do. I have the micro goals, which are my short terms, monthly, even yearly, right, annual, and then I have stuff that's five year, ten year, but I also am willing to pivot. It's like I don't know exactly where I would be. People ask people, oh God. They used to love asking me that. People would say, "Hey, man, you know, what do you want to be when you when you grow up and you're my age?" And I'd be like, "I don't know yet. I don't know where I'll be." Right? That's 20, 30 years. That's a long time. You know, it's uh, I don't know. It's a tough question, but I, I'm I'm comfortable with a bit of the unknown when it comes to that 20, 30 year track. Right? I'm almost. I'm probably too comfortable with that. I have no idea where I'm uh, <laughs> gonna end up. But I, I will tell you, though, some of the best advice I re- ever received was I was at this tax firm in Washington, D.C. I made the decision to quit 
to go back to school, get my marketing degree. And I was talking to one of my mentors at this tax firm and he said, John, let me tell you this. Don't try to plan for what you're going to do after school. And he said, mm-hmm. your interests are going to change. It's going to be four years. You know, your interests are going to change. Opportunities you're not aware of that don't even exist yet are going to emerge. Just go to school. Just get on the path. And I think too, like whether it's school or whether it's your career path or whether it's an opportunity, some sort of ambitious venture, I think sometimes we can be frozen based on worrying too much about where we'll end up. And we're sitting and we're waiting either to figure that out or for everything to be perfect. And guess where you go? Nowhere. Yeah. And so when you go, you're going to end up somewhere. And I was just talking to, I was talking to Nate Ekman earlier today from Alt. And we're talking about, you know, I just started my own company and shoot, I hope it's successful, right? I mean, I would love to be able to do this for a long time and today's day two. So, so far, so good. Um, Still in business, by the way. Shout out to DLC, thriving. Yeah, (laughs) we're still doing it. Day two, 48 hours in. (laughs) We're still here, baby. We're still here. (laughs) (laughs) Can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) But you know, what I was thinking about was let's say a year from now, let's say it epically failed, right? Let's say it w- didn't work out. I couldn't bring in the clients I wanted to or whatever. I end up, I'm going to end up doing something else, but I'm going to learn so much. In fact, I've already you know, discovered in my two days all the things, I mean, some of what I'm going to learn because all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I need to learn this thing to be able to serve these clients in this way. And so now I'm not sitting around just like satisfied. I'm being proactive in what I need to learn and to learn it and to make those connections so that, you know, when I do have that client come and they give me the opportunity to build their brand strategy, I'm ready to go. Absolutely. So there's something to just, I think, encouraging people just start. Don't worry about where you're going. And yeah, it is smart to have some milestones, some goals, but I think to have some flexibility so that you don't you're not in a straitjacket to miss out on opportunity or or to pivot to go a completely different way. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. And this is this is you know, this is telling you from someone that literally spent everything to get into this industry, right? So it's not even like a that's a convenient position for you to take. You know, when you're sitting there with and you're well off or you're you have the finances or you've got the job, it's like that wasn't the case, right? Like I sacrificed everything to get into this space, you know, entire savings account and some and went into debt to just continue moving forward. Wasn't sure where cash flow was going to come. You just kind of, you got to take your leap. You got to jump in, you got to go for something, but it's not do it and chill. It's do it and work insanely hard and push yourself, be uncomfortable and be okay with being uncomfortable. Big time. I think, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I love to talk about this when I'm a guest on podcasts and it's like, okay, you need to be prepared, but you also need to be able to identify opportunity. And you also need to place yourselves, yourself in different places to take advantage of opportunity. You know, the, the more places you are, you talk about being this, hey, Mr. Guy, the more conferences you're at, 
the more people you're introducing yourself to, you're giving yourself more opportunities. Now, I also think you need a little bit of discernment, let's say, as to which opportunity to go after. Because, you know, the person who says, I'm going to hire you, you don't want all those jobs. You want the right job. But what what I always add to luck is when preparation meets opportunity is success is when luck meets perseverance. Hmm. Because when you jump, you know, you take that opportunity and you're prepared. It's hard, especially if somebody like me, I'm interested to hear your perspective. I always find myself on the edge of my experience. (laughs) Like Hmm. I'm talking myself into jobs that, Hey, I don't know if I'm, Able to do that job on day one. You know, them, you're in there. You're like, hey, you got him. <laughs> exactly. So, man, so yeah. that, I think like just being willing to take the shots to go home. Like, I've been in cubicles where I was literally frozen with stress because I didn't know the next thing, the next step to do my job. Mm. And I'm at this company and I'm in this queue, but I'm just like stress pouring over me. But guess what? I figured it out. You know, I didn't quit to go to something easier or something different. I said, wait, I recognize the opportunity. I need to be at this job for two years for me to do the next thing. So I'm going to grind this out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to it. What's your, what are your perspectives on just like, that mindset, not giving up. I love that. I, you were describing not just not giving up, but also being, you know, putting yourself in positions that may be a little uncomfortable if you didn't take the easy route. Right. And I think that's huge because that's where the growth comes from. You could do the same day. You could have been out there selling vacuums or cell phones, whatever, over and over. I think it's boring. I've done it. It's the same old job. Whenever I personally get to the position in a role where I feel like I'm not growing, I'm looking for the next opportunity. That's the truth. I hate to say it, but it's the truth because ultimately for me, I'm, I'm looking for a challenge and I'm so addicted to that growth and, and new things to work through and new things to build. And if you just want a button pusher or someone to just come in and, you know, may I have another, you know, would you like a, a Coke of that? I just couldn't do it. Oh my goodness. So it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't, so. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's too, like you, what I, what I realized is after doing so many things that I'd never done before, I become, I became numb to that fear. So there were literally times where I was like, oh, you're asking me to do this thing that I've never done before. That's fine. Because over the last year, I've done five things I've never done before. <laughs> and and I, I do think there's something like you definitely need to do your due diligence, both like whether it's as an employee or as a, you know, having clients and stuff like you need to. I don't want it to come across like we're advocating for not being able to do your job. But what I am saying is, you know, don't be afraid to try and jump into the fire and then learn quickly. <laughs> Listen, I think it's fair to say that most people that get new roles are jumping into scenarios where there's something they got to figure out. Like they don't have it perfectly. I feel like everybody, when you come into a job and the bigger the job, the more complicated, where there's nuances, you just have to learn. And I I think what's interesting is the conviction to figure it out and to be like, I'm committed to getting this right. 
I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen. I'm going to buckle down, take initiative and, and figure out how to be effective here. Something I've always prided myself in too, you know, and some things take longer than others. Now, of course, you, if you're talking like a programmer or something like that, you have to have the innate skill and training. I think there's a lot of scenarios where if you have the base or skill set because you feel or have been educated or developed that skill set through experiences, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with, you know, jumping into roles where you got to do a little bit of learning on the job. That's for industry too, by the way, John. I think it's important to say our industry is fast moving. Everything is changing really quickly. We are forced to learn every new game, new formats, new games to learn, new zones, new new nuances with the publishers, the communities, the influencers, the teams, like. Things are always constantly evolving and changing, even in our space. Even when you have the job, the world changes. So big time. I think the unique thing about our space too, you know, we we're both part of the esports trade association. Christian is on the board. I am the chairman. You're vice chair, actually. I mean, let me. I'm not just. I'm not just on the board. I serve at the pleasure of the president. <laughs> I am here, the vice chair, sir. I'm here to support you. That's right. In the written agreement, just so the audience understands, Christian does have to salute me every time. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> just don't look me in the eyes. Okay. Now, but you know, our the whole goal there, it's it's helping to improve the business practices of the esports industry to enable gamers to enjoy more of what we love. And there's a lot of best practices that can come from outside the space. But one of the things that I love just as somebody who loves business development and marketing and learning new things and developing new things is our space has challenges that no other space has ever had, right? You look at media rights is the number one source of revenue with traditional sports. The reason why it's not the number one source of revenue in esports is because streaming online is different than programmatic television, you know? And so, yeah, there's some revenue there, but like we need to figure that out. We need to find new monetization models. Like, how does it fit within the gamer's experience? And man, that's what I get super hyped on is it's not figured out yet. And we, you know, because of our hard work and our connections and, and the work we've done before today and the work we're going to continue to do, have the great opportunity to help figure this out to, like I said, enable gamers to enjoy more of what we love, which is. It's it's hard to think of a better job than that, in my opinion. Yes, sir, Mr. Chairman, sir. I, 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 would, I would agree that it's one of the things I enjoy about Esports Trade Association and why I came aboard to follow your lead. And thank you for having me as part of your organization that you put together. You're doing a great job, John. Is I really believe in being welcoming and inclusive to new people and helping them bring them up. Because I was that guy. Hey, mister, and trying to get a moment mm-hmm. with people um, and if now we're in a position to share our knowledge, to open up some relationships and, and give people an opportunity to skip a few steps or help them go a bit faster, I'm all on board with that. And I'm a big believer in that. So it's, it's one of the biggest things that I enjoy, you know, being a part of this whole experience, man, to be honest with you. No, I think that's amazing. You know, you were talking earlier about your passion and I'm curious of like, I'm sure you have a number of passions, but do you have one maybe it's to like an overarching passion that th- other things fit into. And I've identified that in my life. So, you know, I'll share that after, but I'm, I'm curious, what does that look like for you? Are you like, I'm passionate about gaming or is there something beyond gaming that gaming falls under for you? And there's not like a right or wrong answer. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. 
So when you first started the question, the thing that popped in my mind immediately is I'm passionate about building, period. As a kid, my favorite games to play were SimCity, Rollercoaster Tycoon, Strongholds Crusader, Red Alert, civilization building, managing economies, armies, and resources. That's what I like to do. I'm a builder. I like to build. That's the core kind of theme, right? All-encompassing. I love video games. Not obsessed with esports. Video games to me is my passion. So here at Method, for example, we focus on MMO and RPGs, you know, World of Warcraft, you know, games like RuneScape, Final Fantasy, you know, Path of Exiles. It's not your tier one AAA esports like, you know, CSGO and League and Dota and whatnot. It's different, but I do love all of it. I enjoy anything that, or most games, I'm going to say anything. I enjoy most games in some capacity, to be honest with you. So it's, I think it's building is what I really love. And then that trickles down into the video games that I play are generally structured around some type of mechanic to grow, build, level up your character, build your guild, your corporation, things like that. And then in business and the way I run my personal life or with fitness, with my body of building my body, it's just the way that I view it, you know, or even my relationships personally. It's like, it's funny, you know, a lot of my stuff and my gifts are driven around self-improvement. How can I help you? How can I help you go to the next stage in your life? Because that's what I genuinely care about. I'm genuinely passionate about helping you because I really care about you. Like I want you to go further and I want you to go to these next steps because to yeah, me, that's no, what I really love matters. That. I love you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. My thing is it just, I've realized that the last just three, four years is the umbrella is helping people. And I find that that helps me not have a focus on myself. You know, it's, it's others first. And I believe that helping people can take many forms. So you could help, like I always give this example, there's a place in Dallas called Feed My Starving Children, and you can go there and you make meals that they, they ship off to third world countries and they make it super fun. It's two hours and you don't even realize two hours passes. It's, it's an amazing thing to do and you know encourage anybody to do that but i think helping people can also exist in business and so i look at like if i if i want to help people what am i spending most of my time doing i'm spending most of my time working right i think helping people doesn't necessarily need to be like so altruistic as like i'm you know feeding people who are literally starving to death it can be helping people enjoy better experiences you know i think like Whatever situation I'm in, whether it's GameStop where we've got, you've got marketing dollars that you can put forward, or it's PRG where you have patented technologies, or it's my new company where I'm saying, okay, how can I just take my experience and my learnings and, and use those things? It's how can we utilize whatever we have and make the experience for people around us better? And for me, that's what gets me up in the morning because there could be a variety of things that could go wrong or, you know, things aren't perfect, but I think that's something that will always maintain is people will continue to need to be helped. And it gives me more joy helping them than just kind of pumping myself up. If that makes any sense. No, I love that. And I think that's why you're doing something like this, right? Creating content. That's why you chair the board. It's right aligned with what you love to do and what you enjoy doing. And I think that's like probably one of the most selfless, amazing things you could do is just to give. And I believe in that. I, I think it's going to, I selfishly, I think it'll pay dividends for you. I think giving value from a self selfless perspective and just trying to 
be a resource to people. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and it's, I mean, shoot, I'm trying to make money doing it too, you know? So, <laughs> but, it, but yeah, but I think <laughs> I it's like, bucks. if you, if you view these things as like, my personal success is the byproduct, not the focus and just understanding, man, if, and, and I've seen it and it's a credit to our community really too, is like, I've seen people who I've worked with and I've done right by them and to see them do right by me. And, you know, you launch a new company and everybody's like, man, how can I be there for you is incredible. And I think that says a lot about our esports community. It does. And frankly, the career you've built as well and the relationships you've built, because it doesn't just happen for anybody. Well, man. I appreciate that. So you've been a, you've been a genuine kind. good You're one from kind. day one. Let me ask you one more thing as we're rounding up the hour here, but you know, we talked a little bit about the grind uh, or a lot about the grind. We talked about how you came up. What was one moment that whether it was a bucket list thing or something that you would view as success in in your career? You know, maybe that's a personal thing. Maybe it's a, a business thing. But I just, I think that's super inspirational for people to hear. Here's a guy who came from spending all his money to try to do his thing and you know share a moment where you know it all came together you know there was an interesting this is good okay forgive me because you're going to get two okay there was a you know there was really was a moment when i was in mexico i was on one of the shows down and going to the island for the bachelor bachelors in paradise and you were in this incredible resort on like the top floor of this huge building and just overlooking like the Mexican jungles and the water. And it was just like a surreal moment where you're like, wow, you've, this is, this is pretty special. This is pretty cool experience to be here and to be like in the middle of this mega production, you know, it's, I mean, they produce hundreds and hundreds of millions in advertising wow, for ABC yeah. annually, right? Like that franchise is incredibly So you can imagine the production and what the, experiences like for people that they're really building around. So it was, that was a moment that stands out to me. That was surreal, right? That was a special moment for me. The birth of my you know, son was a special moment for me. And then career-wise in esports, I think the big transition, you know, Thunder was a huge moment for me to have that, you know, industry, that production credibility to be able to go drive millions of revenue for them and build that business. And did you do everything we did? But then it was moving to Vegas and being the commissioner of the WSOE, this esports league. We had an incredible studio on the Vegas Strip right in front of the Aria. And we were putting up $100,000 prize pools month after month and giving gamers an opportunity to live their dream, flying people all in from around the world and creating a really awesome product. That was special because it was doing it at a really high level with a really cool team. That was pretty amazing too. And then... Man, this keeps keep rolling. We okay. got time, baby. Forgive me. I forgive me. We're going on this right. This this is the thing. And then it really comes home because I always love World of Warcraft. I've been a huge WoW fan. And then for this, all this grind to then come to the point now where I am working, not only just working, but I'm on the management team, I'm the chief revenue officer, and I'm a partner in the business of actually having an ownership percentage in the number one esports team and guild in the world for the game that I grew up playing. But to think now that I'm in this boat coming full circle, I used to be the kid just putting in job apps at Blizzard, trash apps, never had a chance to get hired there. But then now to be working here, 
it's a kind of a it's a really special amazing incredible i think what's cool about those three stories or four stories rather is they're all different industries you know you're talking about a show where you had an opportunity to have this incredible experience you're talking about the personal experience of your son which i can relate to it was a a life-changing moment for me as well and then in the esports industry so man it is a pleasure to have you and it's super fun to hear all these stories (laughs) there you go there's the contractual salute sir yes sir (laughs) reporting for duty sir is there anything that you want to plug how can people find you anything that you want to share this is your moment you guys can check me out on Twitter at Bishop Christian. Come say hi. You can check in or follow our new esports handles, esports on Twitter or esports on Instagram. It's got full control and ownership of these pages. So we're building them out. So you can check that in That's for incredible. more information on the industry. Well, thank you, man. I know I'll be talking to you soon, texting Colin, but thank you so much for being part of the podcast. I couldn't tell you how much I appreciate it. Glad to support. Right I look forward to it. Thanks for having I- me. Man, that was a really inspirational episode talking to Christian Bishop, hearing how he had put all of his finances into his business, only to see it just completely drain as he's trying to make contact after contact and then finding a place within the industry. And it's been really inspirational to see how Christian has just gone through the industry. And I think he had a lot of interesting things to say about perseverance and the grind. And, you know, it's not so much talent as much as it is hard work. So... I'm going to try to put some of those things to practice in my life, and I'd encourage you to do so as well. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.